Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I want to invite the two holiest people I could possibly find to share the Christmas story with us. And so I'm going to ask Bella and Haven are going to come, the two holiest people I know, to read us the Christmas story. So I'm starting at Luke 2, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And, they were, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried it off and found Mary and Joseph, the baby and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the, time the, angel, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Great. Thank you, ladies. That's fantastic. How good were the kids with that song? Oh, my goodness. We're gonna, I'm, I, man, we're going to get them to do some more stuff in the future. That was amazing. Did you notice some of them signing? They meant, that was really bad. I tried to imitate signing. Sorry, Chen. Um, but they, uh, they've been learning sign language, and so a lot of them were, were actually signing what they've been learning over the last couple of weeks. And I just want to thank Steve and Natalie, our kids' team coordinators, is just doing an amazing job with our kids. Man, it's nice to know that you can entrust your kids to the leadership of others who help them fall in love with Jesus as much as you do. And so I love our kids' team. I love what's happening in there. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing that team continue to grow as well. How many of you have dinner reservations tonight? Anybody got dinner reservations? I promise you will make it to the, unless you made it for 530. You may not make that one. You knew me better than that. So I promise you'll make it to your dinner reservations. We're having dinner at our house. I invited the Telfers over to our house for dinner. So a little pro tip there, always invite a chef. Somehow invite them to your house where you're cooking. What was I thinking? We should have invited ourselves over to their house. 
But Chef John, I understand, has made a beef wellington or two for us tonight. It's going to be good. I made a chili. That's all I have to offer. We may have some water. Milk if you're lucky. I am... I love Christmas time. I really do. By the way, you can thank Romy for the 67-degree Christmas. When we were first dating before we were married, I spent my first Christmas in Australia with her family, and I said, what kind of things do you guys do for Christmas? What sort of traditions do you have? And she said, well, we pretty much had the same traditions as you. We'll get up in the morning, go down the beach, go for a swim, and then have a barbecue in the afternoon. I said, yeah, we don't really do that so much in the Northern Hemisphere. Because it's summertime in Australia, but she has brought summertime here and in South Africa as well. Thank you all for bringing summertime. It's going to be 67 degrees tomorrow. How many like a warm Christmas time? I do. If you can't have a white Christmas, it may as well be 67 degrees at Christmas. That's, that's my philosophy. <laughs> but you know, in the Christmas story that Bella and Haven read, when you read the book of Luke, and Luke probably gives the longer account of the same story. Matthew um, also gives an account of that, and John a little bit. But in Luke's account, it actually begins not with the, the birth of Jesus. It begins with this angel by the name of Gabriel. And Gabriel was always tasked with the job of bringing announcements wherever he went. And the week of Christmas, or the time leading up to Christmas, Gabriel had a lot of announcements to do. He was tasked with bringing what God wanted to do, the information of God's plan for the world. He was tasked with bringing that to mankind. You can imagine such a task. You can imagine where I need to capture the very heart, the information, and the will of the Father and communicate it to these very finite creatures here on earth. And he was tasked not just to bring that information to mankind, but he was tasked to tell two different people what God wanted to do. Now, at the time, when Gabriel had to bring this message, it's about 2,030 years ago, because Jesus was actually born sometime between 8 B.C. and 2 B.C., not actually on zero, because the Romans didn't have an accurate calendar. And so time as we know it now is not how time worked in the Roman, the Greco-Roman culture. So if you're upset about that, I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with my message. just want to throw it out there. About 2,030 years ago. And so at the time, the world was desperate for good news. It really needed some good news particularly the Jews, God's chosen people, and the nation of Israel. They were kind of a nation, but they were under the oppression of Rome. So they couldn't really dictate for themselves how it was that they wanted to live. Sure, they could worship God freely, but they were still under an oppressive government. And they needed some good news. They knew that the promise of God that He had for them was that they would be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath that they were God's chosen people, that they were meant to rule and reign on the earth, that when God created Adam and gave Adam dominion over all the animals and all the weather and all the plants and everything, that was his intention from the beginning. But what they were living in at the time of Gabriel's announcement 
looked nothing like what God had intended for them. And in fact, they were so riddled with a history of bad news that sometimes it might be difficult to receive such good news with a spirit of optimism. Because the, the history of the nation of Israel was that God had this great plan for them from the very beginning, from the promise given to Abraham. When he promised to Abraham that I will bless all nations on earth through you. So Abraham, you and your descendants will be like greater than the number of grains of sand on the seashore. Do you like that shameless plug for Seashore Church right there? The, plus, the blessing that I intend to you is also meant to go through you. I will make you such a blessing that there's an overflowing that flows to the rest of the whole world. And Abraham, I want to do it through you and through your descendants. And so the nation of Israel were the descendants of Abraham that that promise came through. But because of Israel's constant disobedience and lack of faith to really grab hold of what God had promised, they kept ending up getting themselves in trouble and losing the very thing that God had given to them. And often what would happen to the nation of Israel is right about things when things started getting good, start to look around and look at what everybody else has. They open up their Christmas present and think, Woo, I got an Apple Watch, but they got a new iPhone. Well, they got an iPhone, but they got an Xbox 360. Is that a thing? Gamers? PlayStation 5. I shouldn't have even used a reference. I have no idea what video games are. I tried hard not to use a cycling reference because nobody knows what cycling is. So another one of God's blessings and his gift to mankind. But the reality is these Israelites do what we do. Right when things start getting good, they start looking around at what everybody else has, and suddenly what they have doesn't seem so great. Well, they've got a king over there. Maybe that's what we need. And they would begin to envy the things they neighbor, their neighbors had, not realizing that they had Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, their provider, was with them everywhere they went. They forgot that God rescued them from a land of slavery in Egypt, gave them food and water in the middle of a desert for 40 years, would give them fire at night to keep them warm, a cloud during the day to keep them in the shade, and looked after them everywhere they went. But somehow that wasn't good enough. And so they would begin to look around. They would begin to question whether what they had was really enough. And they would have this history of great victories followed by great pain. You see, the enemy just began to distract them with what was around them instead of understanding what was in them. And they turned their focus from God to stuff. Their affections were transferred from their Creator to just created things. You want to know what idolatry is? It's focusing on created rather than the creator. Because anything other than God Himself has just been created by Him. And so why would you worship something that God created instead of the Creator Himself? And so but they began to worship the gods of this world. And as they walked away from their total dependence on God, Tough times would come. They always do. Tough times come because it's just a part of living in this world. 
Sometimes the tough times that Israel would step into was a result of their own sin and their disobedience. But quite honestly, sometimes tough times came just because they always do. And at times when that happened, they would cry out to God. And God would send a holy man or a, or a holy woman that would rescue them from their oppressors and would, would lead them to sometimes these great military victories. Sometimes they were great spiritual revivals. And for the time being, the nation would turn back to God. And then things would get good again, and they'd get distracted, and they'd start looking at the things of the world, and they'd end up right back in the same place. And God would send another, either a judge in the book of Judges, or he would send a king in the book of Samuel and Kings, and he would send them something to rescue them. But but it was always temporary because there's something about mankind that as soon as things start getting good, we start looking around and we start getting distracted. And we start to enslave ourselves to things that we were meant to rule over, not to be ruled by. We start focusing on the lack that we have. Well, this Christmas won't be like the other Christmases. Dad lost his job because he... Wouldn't get a shot. That's another message. I'll go this direction. You know, things are just a little bit tough. Our family's uh, not together like they used to be anymore. Mom's not here. Dad's not here. We're away from family. We're isolated. And you start to get distracted by the things of the world, just like these Israelites did. They just couldn't break the cycle. You know, it's kind of frustrating when you keep going around the same mountain all the time, isn't it? When just when things get good, you get distracted by the sin of the world and you begin to engage in it, then you find yourself enslaved to it, not enjoying it, and you cry out and God sends a rescue and then you get rescued and yay God! And then you get distracted again and this cycle just keeps going around and around and around. God's intention for you was not to be so damaged by the world that you got to come run back to the house of God to get free, only to go back and get enslaved again. And this constant seesaw back and forth of interrelationship with God, and then back in the world, and then interrelationship with God, and then back in the world, and then interrelationship with God, and then in a bad relationship with a human being, oh my gosh, that didn't work out, back into our relationship with God. And somehow we try to replace the fellowship and the friendship we were supposed to have with Jesus with a friendship with the world or a friendship with something else. Somehow we forget that the sufficiency of God, who is all we will ever need, isn't quite doing it for us like it used to. You see, when God's people listened to what everyone else was saying, when they paid attention to what everyone else was doing instead of what God was saying, and what God was doing, their concept of what was possible began to shrink. They no longer considered that the promises of God could actually apply to them. Then Gabriel, in the midst of this history of Israel, bursts onto the scene. And he has good news, but he's got good news for two different people. The first one that he visits, and we're going to look in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, is a man by the name of Zechariah. And Luke tells us, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. 
Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decreeing blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. See, uh, Zechariah had been praying. He had been believing God for big things. And this was in response to his prayer. A common prayer that they would pray would be for the salvation of Israel, that God would send the Messiah that he had promised in the Old Testament. It was a common part of their prayer. But sometimes if you found yourself praying prayers and you forget what you're actually praying, have you found yourself praying those kinds of prayers? Lord, heal my grandma. Lord, save my friend. And then one day your friend gets saved and you're like, what? And grandma gets healed. You forget that you were praying those things. And then the prayers just become a ritual bedtime thing rather than a powerful encounter with the God who can bring the very thing that you're praying for. Zechariah tells him, your wife Elizabeth will bury you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. That'll mess with some pneumatology experts right there. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Do you understand what he's saying? This just keeps getting better. First, you're going to get a son in your old age. Then he's going to be a joy to you. Then he's going to be a delight to the Lord. And now what he doesn't realize is he is the one that will usher in the Messiah in the spirit of Elijah. They were waiting for Elijah to come because Elijah was going to precede the Messiah. And he's telling Zechariah, your son is that Elijah. He will usher in the Messiah. Man, I, it gets me excited. If I heard something like that from God, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Man, what good news. Gabriel responding to Zachariah's prayer is being told, your son, your son is going to usher in the Messiah. He doesn't even know yet that the Messiah is actually going to be his nephew. Hadn't told him that part yet. And then Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. He was wise not to call her old. Is well along in years sound any better? Probably not. And the angel said to him, <laughs> can you picture Gabriel? Can you picture him looking back up to heaven? Can you believe this guy? Um, 
I'm Gabriel. I, uh, I stand in the presence of God, okay? And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Like, I'm an angel. Hello, you were afraid of me? I'm, did I not say I was Gabriel? I'm like, this is my job here. This is what I do. I have one job, tell you this announcement of the heart of the Father, the will of God. And if you understand what prayer is, by the way, prayer is exchanging your will for the Father's, and I'm telling you the Father's will, and now you're asking me. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Boy, I tell you that sometimes in my life when I wish Gabriel had shut my mouth, sometimes I wonder if I've ruined some things because of the words that I've spoken. So then Gabriel's got another announcement to make. He's got one more person that he's tasked with going to see. And we see it in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's good news. Right at a time when they needed some good news. This little 16-year-old unwed girl is told you will give birth to the Messiah. The promise not just for the nation of Israel, but the hope of the world. That moment that you've been believing for. That moment that your whole nation has been praying for. They've been praying for, waiting, believing, even while they're under the oppression of Rome. It's happening, and it's going to happen through you. How many of you know that's a difficult thing to comprehend for a probably a 16-year-old girl of no consequence, of no royal line, of no special privilege, of no special abilities, just a girl that God chooses? And this is Mary's response. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Holy of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Boy, you want a prophetic word for 2022? She who is unable, who is said, she who was said, who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. There are some women in this house that are going to give birth in 2022. Three of them in the natural, many more in the spiritual, that God is going to give you something you are going to give birth to. And you were said 
to be unable to conceive, but he's going to conceive it by his spirit. There are ministries that will be birthed from here. There are healings that will be birthed from here. There are churches that will be birthed from here. So stop worrying about what the world said about you. Well, you're divorced. You'll never be able to do anything for God. Well, you backslid 10 years ago. You'll never be able to do anything for God. Hey, listen, God's going to visit some women in this house. Some men too, but I feel it strongly for the women of this house that this is going to be a significant year, 2022, for the women of this house. For no word from God will ever fail. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Gabriel appeared to Zachariah and Mary with two very similar bits of good news. But he got two very different responses. See, when he went to Zechariah, Zechariah said, how can this be? What he's telling Gabriel is, this isn't possible. This doesn't fit within my paradigm of how things work. This doesn't fit within my schema. This doesn't fit within everything that I know about my experience with God. How can this be? I'm old. My wife's old. But when he comes to Mary, Mary says, how will this be? You see, Zechariah answered the call of God with doubt based upon what he knew of the world. Mary responds with faith. Mary says, I don't know how. But if you're saying this is so, I just need to know what I need to do next. I'm not asking you if. I'm asking you how, and I'm asking you when, and I'm asking you where. Because how many of you know when you have a baby, you got some preparations to make? Right? You see, when God comes into your world, when He invades your cycle of failing and repenting and getting back into the same old cycle, when He enters into that world of yours, it demands a response. Because when Jesus arrived, He's saying, no longer do you have to do the things to be accepted into my family. Because you've been trying to do the things for generations, and you keep ending up on the same merry-go-round, never seeing victory. I have come to do what Yasmina said, to take your sin on me, to take God's wrath for your disobedience on my body so that you can be set free. I'm here to break the cycle because my sacrifice is once for all. No longer do you have to satisfy God's wrath by sacrificing rams and goats and, and do all the stuff. All it takes is faith in me. The Bible says it's by grace through faith we've been saved and not by works. God broke the cycle when he sent Jesus. Zechariah needed more info to believe. He wasn't really saying he didn't believe it. Do you know what he was saying? I just need a little bit more info. I need a little bit more evidence. He thought if I had more evidence, then I'd believe. <laughs> you know what? If we had the miracles here like we have in Africa, then we'd believe. I mean, I see legs growing back in India. If that happened here, I believe. And I'm like, maybe they happen in India because they believe. 
Maybe it happens in Africa because they believe. You see, you got to believe it before you can see it, not the other way around. Maybe if I gave my tithe, then I'd win the lottery, and then I'd believe. You see, many people, even in Jesus' day, would ask him for signs. And Jesus' response in Luke chapter 11, verse 29, he said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Which when Jonah went to the town of Nineveh, which at the time was an enemy of the nation of Israel, a different enemy, Nineveh repented. Jonah didn't want to go. You know how Jonah ended up in the belly of a whale for three days? Anybody know that story? Well, the reason he ended up in the belly of a whale is because God wanted him to evangelize Nineveh, which would be like going to Baghdad during the Iraqi war, going to Berlin during World War II. It's like, go to the worst place, the biggest enemy of your nation, and I want you to tell them about my love for them. And God is going to make sure that his will is going to be done on this earth. If he's, if he's got to put you in the belly of a whale, that's fine. If he's got to shut you up so that you don't ruin Christmas, Zechariah, then he'll shut you up. But either way, his will will be accomplished on this earth. It's my choice as to whether I receive that will and exchange my will for his. And so Jesus says it's the only sign that you're going to see. Our world needs good news. There's a famous Christmas carol. It says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. He is good news. And he didn't just come 2,000 years ago to give some teachings that we follow today. He came to save the world. He came to save you. And He came to save me. The next line of that song is fall on your knees. Because when God shows up with an announcement that I have come so that through me you might be saved, it demands a response. And I pray that we have the response of Mary that says, well, how will this be? I can tell you how it will be. When you surrender your heart to Jesus, He will come in and forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and He'll adopt you into His family. You can break the cycle tonight. Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May your, will, may your word to me be fulfilled. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. I don't care. You can swap it and say He. You can do that. Blessed is he who has believed that the Lord will fill his promises to him. Put yourself in the position. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. How do you receive this? Trust in the Lord. Humble yourself. Let your heart rejoice as Mary's did. He will save you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. And He will adopt you into His family. Because He's good. Today is a day of good news. And if you've never actually asked Jesus into your heart to forgive you of your sin, if you're stuck in that sin cycle, can I tell you? I'm announcing to you the same thing that Gabriel did, that Jesus has come.
He's here right now. And he wants to save you from your sin, but it requires a response from us. Because he's not just going to do it because he wants to. He has given us the choice to choose him or to choose the world. I know for me, as a college student, my junior year, I made the decision to give my heart to Jesus fully. And I've never looked back since. Oh, there's been plenty of rough times and I've had plenty of mistakes. But I've never once looked to the world and said, I'm going to try it that way. Because the Bible says that's a pathway that leads to death. But following Jesus will lead to life eternal. If that's you this morning on this Christmas Eve, we're going to end this service by doing one simple thing. And give, that's giving you the opportunity to pray to ask Jesus into your heart. I'm not going to ask you to join a church or start giving somewhere or go move to India or Africa, though if that's God's call, go for it. I'm just asking you right now to maybe make your peace with God and break the cycle. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just out of respect for those around you, if you'd love to pray that prayer for me with me tonight of asking Jesus into your heart to forgive you of your sins, if that's you tonight, I just want you to raise your hand where you're sitting so I know who it is that I'm praying with tonight. Don't be afraid. Thank you. Thank you. He loves you. He wants you in his family. Thank you. Anybody else tonight? We're going to pray this together. You can put your hands down. And we're going to pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. I receive your forgiveness and your gift of eternal life. Help me to be the person who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well done. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.